Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, June 25th. Feels like whenever we have a Grand Slam on the horizon that week before, there's a little bit of calm uh, before the storm. And you know, while there are multiple ATP WTA events this week, that really is the feeling it seems like we've gathered as we head into this week of tennis. Obviously, on the ATP side, we've got an event in Eastbourne. We've got an event in Turkey, but the event taking up all of our attention Wimbledon qualifying began on Monday, obviously, with all of the young next-gen talent on the ATP Tour. So many of those players getting a chance now that they're in the top, you know, 225 of the rankings to play Wimbledon qualifying. And it leads to some fantastic tennis, obviously, Uh, you know, qualifying, not the sexiest of things to talk about. And if you want to learn about anything else going on in the tennis world this weekend, as we always say, the tennis world never sleeps, even if it's a little bit of calm before the storm. There's still plenty of things to catch up on. Check out our website, crackedrackets.com, for all of your information on the goings on there. Obviously, yesterday on the Mini Break podcast, had the wonderful opportunity to speak with tennis with an accent, Matt Zemick. I mean, that guy could talk about any tennis topic for, you know, at least five minutes. And that's really what we did yesterday. We went in hour 20 on the mini break podcast somewhere. Jamie McDonald is, you know, shrieking in agony because mini break mini is not an hour and a half. But because we had so much fun with that conversation, touched on a whole range of things from last week's Wimbledon, uh, Wimbledon warm up events, all of the grass tournaments on the men's women's side, what we could take away from that. Obviously, we broke down Sophia Kennan's title, talked about how many exciting young players there are on the WTA as well and which rivalries could help shape the WTA and really help it propel forward for the next decade because again with all of this young talent it's just a matter of which names stick I suppose and which rivalries start to develop that really capture the attention of fans because there's so much talent really when you're trying to distinguish between these players it's hard to at this point because you know you have the Bianca Andreescu's making runs at premier events Belinda Bencic making runs at premier events. Amanda Nisimova, Vondrasova, Ashley Barty's only 23 years old, obviously no Naomi Osaka. It's really just pick a name out of the hat at this point and that player could, you know, win multiple grand slams in their future on the WTA in singles. So really just an exciting time to be a tennis fan, but we wanted to let that podcast breathe a little bit on its own. So go check that out. Again, that's Monday's mini break. Check out the Great Shot podcast. Jonathan Kelly and I had a wonderful time as we always do doing our halfway point State of the Union podcast on American tennis. We talk about the American men, you know, make some comparisons of where this generation of Tiafo, Fritz, Opelka, Mackie McDonald, how they fared to their contemporaries, you know, the Kudla generation, the Isner generation, and then even before that, the Rod- the Roddick Fish, uh, Fish, James Blake, Taylor Dent generation. And I, I think our summaries on the men's side is, you know, while it hasn't been an incredible year, it's been pretty solid with all these young guys breaking through Tiafo's big moments, obviously Indian Wells, Australian Open quarterfinal, Opelka's New York Open title. We've had glimpses, but they haven't maybe had the consistency we've hoped for yet. So again, for more on that, go check that out. We talk about the American women as well. And obviously, as I mentioned, Kenan, Anisimova, uh, Collins, Keys, uh, Sloan Stevens, obviously, 
filling any gap that may be felt from the fact that Serena, Venus aren't playing as frequently as they used to. So again, for all things American tennis, go check out that podcast. Cracked Interviews, Pod Rothman just went with Emilio Gomez, the young Australian Open junior singles finalist. Uh, obviously, we've had so many great college guests, so many great coaches, professionals, all of these things, uh, because yeah, you don't want to miss out on any, any of that, and those conversations really do hold up well, so go give that a listen to the What the Deuce podcast. But with that being said, if you can't tell, I'm filibustering because it is just going to be me today. We're going to let those other podcasts breathe for a little bit, let all of our team get a little rested up because we know we've got the big two-week Wimbledon fortnight ahead of us. But with that, uh, let's talk a little tennis because, you know, obviously Mondays come and go, but tennis stays forever. So the place I want to start, I mentioned it at the top of this podcast, I think the place where uh, all of our attention will be, obviously, with Wimbledon starting up uh, this week, qualifying underway. Monday, we had the first round for the uh, they call it gentlemen's in Wimbledon, so I suppose we will stick with that theme. The gentlemen singles qualifying first round, and really some exciting action. I believe we had the numbers two, three, and five seeds all lose in the top eight. Uh, I believe the number nine and ten seeds ended up advancing as well, but still, when you lose, you know, three of your top, four of your top eight seeds in qualifying right on the first day, you know uh, the results are good. And that sort of speaks to the parity uh, that we see right now in the rankings between, you know, 110 and 250. It's really whichever player is playing the best on any given day, that player has the opportunity to uh, really do well in this qualifying. And you're looking through the draw. Uh, the big takeaways on this podcast, I believe American men go seven and two. Their only two losses being inflicted on it during American on American. American crime. We'll start with the two losers, and I say this lovingly, but it's because they were both American matches. Tim Smichek gets the better of Mitchell Kruger, 7-5-6-4, and then Noah Rubin in an all-next-gen battle. And for people who don't know the history, Noah Rubin played Michael Moe. These guys have played uh, multiple Kalamazoo's, multiple Junior Grand Slam late rounds, the uh, multiple uh, challenger events. So these guys know each other's game well. For Michael Moe, obviously, he's been struggling with injury, really hasn't found a rhythm yet at the this point of the year and you know for Noah former junior Wimbledon champ he's got to be just thrilled with you know beyond the racket excelling the way it has he's I've seen interviews with him uh, in the New York Times and uh, all of these different places you know has really made the media rounds and obviously his podcast on Mondays with Mike Cation just fantastic stuff but it's great to see him get a result on uh, you know on the tennis court he beats Michael Moe 6-3-6-4 to set up an opportunity for himself in the second round of Wimbledon qualifying obviously a great win there and something to build off of as he moves forward but you look at some of the other results Tommy Paul the number 30 seed in qualifying a 6-3-6-3 winner uh, and again, I'm just going to stick with the Americans for now. Uh, Chris Eubanks, a seven six three six six three winner, uh, I believe. And again, we're seven two, so from here on in, it's all going to be good American news, I suppose. Speaks to the fact State of American Union, not bad. Marcos Giron, another guy we've seen have incredible success in 2019, a six two six three winner in his match. Donald Young, six four seven six, number twenty seven seed Bjorn Fortangelo, six four six four winner. Um, I'm trying to think. Am I missing any other Americans? Uh, I mentioned Smichek Kruger. I mentioned Ruben Mo. No, that's it. So, again, a good day one for the American men. A ton of them have put themselves in positions to make that move. You look at some of the other uh, results from the draw, some of these names you guys might find familiar. Mikhail Torpegard of Ohio State, 
a three-set winner in his first-round qualifying match. I believe now he takes on Tommy Paul, and that's going to be a fascinating match. It's not as easy to watch Wimbledon qualifying as maybe it is, uh, you know, challengers or whatnot when you can find the live stream uh, if you don't have tennis channel as well. But definitely try and give that match a, a watch because I promise you, you know, that Torbergard Tommy Paul will live up to the hype. Um, number one seed, uh, I believe, was a winner. Who is our number one seed in qualifying? Uh, Cordini Moutet, an 8-6 winner in the fifth in his match. Andrew Harris, another college guy, he was a winner. He'll match up with Stakowski. Number two seed, uh, Henry Laxon, goes down 7-5 in the third, as I mentioned, to Jason Kubler. Uh, number three seed, Yannick Madden, down to Japanese Maria, 6-4 in the third. Um, yeah, just so much good tennis, and you know, we could, I could go through all the results. It's probably easier for you guys. Blas Rolla, ooh, College Connections. Let's just do that real quick. He's a winner. Chris Eubanks, I already mentioned. Um, <clears throat> Yuri Vesely, the seventh seed in qualifying, the talented 6-6 Czech player, former world junior number one. He got a win. He's a guy, be on the lookout, because I feel like if he can get in, uh, to the main draw, he can certainly do some damage as he's had experience in these main draws before. Number eight seed, Braden Schnur, a winner. J.P. Smith of Tennessee, a winner. Uh, yeah, so again, a ton of great matches uh, day one. Definitely be on the lookout because we've got such an exciting day two ahead of us. I mentioned that match earlier uh, between Tommy Paul and Mikhail Torpegard. Obviously, other great matches throughout qualifying as well. Dustin Brown versus Mikhail Yimmer. That'll be some must-see television tomorrow. Uh, the shot-making, the amount of power, the explosiveness of both of those guys. Obviously, Dustin Brown on grass. Must-see TV anytime he plays. Uh, so Again, Yannick Hanifman, I should have mentioned him. USC Connection. Roberto Quiroz versus Noah Rubin. Both those guys played college tennis. So it's going to be a really fun day for uh, tennis fans tomorrow. And uh, or I believe actually the second round of gentlemen singles being played on Wednesday. Tomorrow will be round one of the women's. Uh, do they call it? I, I mean, do they call it women's? I believe it. Oh, sorry. The ladies singles qualifying gentlemen and ladies. I got to remember that now. Get myself warmed up for this Wimbledon fortnight. The ladies qualifying round one taking place on day two. So the men will get a break. Uh, but yeah, a ton of excitement going on at Wimbledon. Obviously, grass tennis is what it is, but it's our third Grand Slam of the year, so I'm sure all of you tennis fans amped up for that, and I know we at Cracked Rackets definitely are as well. All right, with that, let's transition. As I mentioned, there are some professional events this week on the ATP side. Uh, you know, one of the things I want to start with, one of the big points is how many players withdrew from events this week. I'm just going to list the names. Cole Schreiber out, Barankis out, both special exemption spots in, in, in Turkey not needed. Gasquet out of Eastbourne, Berrettini out of Eastbourne, another special exemption spot out of Eastbourne. Uh, we've got, I believe, Feliciano Lopez pulls out of Eastbourne. Leonardo Mayer pulls out of Eastbourne. So yeah, all of these players, again, this kind of speaks to, and it, I take it back to our conversation I had with Matt Zemek. Do we really need these Eastbourne events the week before Grand Slam? Now, I know some of these young players playing in these, uh, we'll talk about J.C. Aragoni, Taylor Fritz, Paul Jubb, Riley Opelka. They relish the chance to play ATP tournaments any opportunity they can. So there is the argument there, but what if instead we made, you know, 
last week's event, a Masters 1000. This is a, a topic, again, we talked about at length in yesterday's mini break podcast. So if you hear, want to hear more about that, go check that out. But you look at the one seeds this weekend in Eastbourne, number one seed, Guido Pea, uh, no disrespect to him. Number two seed, Laszlo Jir, Kyle Edmund, Jill Simone, all these guys seeded. You have to wonder, you know, we don't see many top 10 players. And then, yeah, you look in Turkey and the players um, – seeded there. Benoit Pair, the number one seed. Uh, number two seed, Adrian Manorino, Pablo Carreno Busta. Again, all of these big players taking this week off. Big players, the top ranked players, I should say. Either playing the Boodles, uh, which is, of course, a warm-up event, an exhibition round match, or not playing this week in preparation for the long Wimbledon fortnight. Again, structurally, you have to wonder, is this something the ATP wants to address? Maybe make last week's tournament a little longer, a little bit bigger, and then for the people who get eliminated early, you can save these 250 events if they want more match play, but definitely uh, you know, use it as a way to guarantee Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, that the top 10 players are all playing at least one event on grass before Wimbledon. Uh, just something to think about as we move forward. But again, let's start in Eastbourne, and uh, not too many breakdowns for you yet. You know, today we had Verdasco over Millman, six seven six four six one. Hercatch over Chechenato, four and four. Love to see Hubert Hercatch get a win uh, before the major because I have to say I am always a fan of uh, you know young players doing well, and I just think his game, the length he has, he's what six four six five, big serve, big ground strokes, just very solid player. I, I think he's got a tremendous future, so happy to see him get a win there. Uh, but then I want to talk about the Americans in play yesterday. Uh, yesterday. Taylor Fritz, a 6-2, 6-3 winner over Paul Jubb. You look at the thing Fritz did well in this match. 12 aces against 5 double faults. Um, wins 79% of his first serve points. 52% of his second serve points. Converts all four of his break point chances. I think the thing that separates him from Jubb, who obviously the NCAA singles champion uh, out of South Carolina, he just did a better job protecting his serve. Jubb makes only 48% of his first serve points. Only wins 41% of his second serve points. Again, just it was very hard for him to create easy, free chances for himself because Taylor Fritz always going to be aggressive with his return, with his serve, with his first strike tennis. And for Jubb, he just found himself behind in too many points too early. And that's not to say I'm not incredibly excited about Paul Jubb's upside because for him, uh, you know, to get into a couple of main draws here in this summer, he obviously has the wild card into Wimbledon as well. A great opportunity for him to kind of see where he's at with his tennis game, whether he needs more time to go back to school or if he's ready to make that jump to the pro tour. And I think this result, you know, speaks to the fact there is still a little bit more development to do. So perhaps, you know, it's not as though Roger Federer worked him two and three. It was Taylor Fritz. And that's not to say Taylor Fritz isn't great, but Taylor Fritz could also still be in college at this point. So you have to wonder for Job, you know, what is he thinking about as he moves forward? But still, Good result for him and for Taylor Fritz, uh, a guy who is the exact opposite, right? It's fine if he's playing an event a week before Wimbledon because at this point in his career, any professional match he can get, any professional experience wins will benefit him in the long term. So happy to see him get a win here. Hopefully, again, he starts this momentum because there's no reason with his game he can't be incredibly successful on grass. 
Um, all right, let's move on to our other American results. Steve Johnson, a, I believe, 7-6-6-3 winner over Riley Opelka. Uh, for Riley, I, I think the big thing I want to point out in this match, uh, he only won 41% of his second serve points. It was so hard for him to get going on the grass surface. And yeah, he can win a ton of free points for himself. 30-41 on first serve points. 13 aces to go against. Only two double faults. Uh, you know, he... But but he did convert one of you know one for one on break points. But you know he's broken three times in a match against Steve Johnson, who's such a noticeable thing for Riley to do would be to serve to the Steve Johnson one bat, one-handed backhand, set himself up a short slice you know return from Stevie, so Riley can be aggressive on that second ball, and he just. You know, he didn't have that much success today. Stevie found the patterns. He was the aggressor on his own serve. You know, he only hit 19 second serves in the match, made 67% of his first serves, won 82% of those points, played a really clean match. He knew what he had to do. If he could play aggressive, get Riley moving, keep Riley from, you know, just being on top of the net, on top of him as often as possible, that he would have success. He just sort of weathered the storm, and that's really what he did. So good win for Stevie. A little disappointing for Riley, especially because, again, former junior Wimbledon slam champion, seven foot tall, huge serve. You know what's what he's potentially capable of on this surface. And again, hopefully this is a wake-up call. You lose first round the week before Wimbledon. You put in an incredibly hard week of training. And who's to know what happens? Because three out of five sets against that Riley Opelka serve, good luck on a grass court. So despite this loss, not worried for Riley. And then our last American result, Sam Query, a 6-3, winner over Mikhail Kukushkin, and that sort of sets up uh, the rest of the week. You look at this draw, Fritz will now play the number one seed, Paya Johnson versus Hercatch. <clears throat> Ooh, I like this, a little all-British round of 16 match, Kyle Edmund versus Cam Norrie. Uh, you've got Verdasco now taking on Lundero, Sam Query versus Lajevic, Nicolas Jerry in the draw, Fabiano, Laszlo Jur. We still got Tennis Sandgren to play, Dennis Kudla to play. So a lot of, fun, again, still fun Americans. This is a fun event. Again, you're not going to get the huge names. There's no Federer. There's no Alex Zverev. There's no you know, Chorich or Kiachinov or any of those guys. But you're going to see some excellent tennis. So be, you know, we'll be talking about Eastbourne all week long. And we're still trying to see which of these guys are the ones we should be looking at as uh, the grass sees, you know, as Wimbledon comes around. Could any of these guys make a potential round of 16 run? And because there's not that many events on this surface, every sample counts. So be on the lookout for this. And speaking of samples, let's move on to our other tournament uh, on grass this week in Turkey. Obviously, again, not the most loaded draw you're looking at here. I mentioned earlier Benoit Pair, the one seed, number three seed Jordan Thompson, number four seed Pablo Carino Busta, two seed Adrian Manorino, a winner on grass already this season, but still not a name you're particularly afraid of. And yeah, you know, uh, good results yesterday in the round of 32. Uh, Zoom here over Ebden, Umbert over Delbanis, Tomic over Seppi, Celebilic over Golbis, Gojewitz over Kirkin, Gunasuarian over Tipsarovic, Klan over Darcy's, Troisky over Kovalik, uh, Roberto Carbeas Benia over JC Aragoni, who makes the choice to play qualifying in this event and does make the main draw of this 250, uh, but loses first round again to Carbeas Benia, 6 4 7 6. And that sort of sets up the rest of the weekend there. Again, um, some of the guys in this draw, I loved Miomir Kasmetovic's 6 4 6 3 win over Haumi Munar. I, I just think that the, both of those guys, well positioned for the future as well. Well, again, we could be seeing that match at ATP 500s for the next 
five to ten years between those two. So always fun to see these next-gen guys square up. Again, Pear versus Troisky, Jordan Thompson, Zoomher, uh, Tomic Gojewicz, uh, Pablo Carina-Busa versus Kravitz, Sanego versus the winner of Carbea Spania, Manorino. Good tennis all the way around. It's not as though, you know, between this, the Wimbledon qualities, everything going on, we as tennis fans are in for a wonderful week. And I'll keep today's mini break on the relatively short side so we can wrap up here. Again, if you've missed anything from the tennis world, you want to get yourself caught up before Wimbledon starts, go to our website, CrackedRackets.com. I know this is me getting a little annoying, but please like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast the great shot podcast cracked interviews what the deuce we really do appreciate uh when you guys do that it really helps us helps us you know when we're trying to secure advertisers all the things we want to do in the future so please uh take the two minutes to do that obviously share it with your friends uh yeah and again if you want to hear more uh get prepared for Wimbledon check out all those podcasts yesterday's pod mini break with Matt Zemek in particular I think you listeners will enjoy a huge shout out as always to our super producers Max Lingner and Daniel Westhoff who do really have a of an editing job to do as always and just have been constantly killing it anytime we add you know we send a podcast their way they have it out and ready to go so thank you to them but for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, and for our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Get ready for this fortnight but because it's coming on us fast, but you know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.